This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy's special edition, The Suicide Squad. Fanboy Special Edition, The Suicide Squad. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I have gathered my own Suicide Squad of reviewers. <laughs> Paul Montgomery. We're taking one for the team. Ryan Haupt. Wait, is that why I had to get an injection before <laughs> signing on to the Skype? And Mike Romo. I'm here, and I'm, I'm ready to party. Where, where was your injection, Ryan? <laughs> it was in the back of my neck. They said it was, it was in the back of your neck. Routine <laughs> procedure. Paul, yeah. you're next. We don't encourage the back of the neck injections. We encourage the other ones. Yes. Get your injections, whether they're the back of the neck or the side of your arm. Spoiler warning. So we're just going to give you the spoiler warning now. We're going to have to spoil the film to talk about it. Someone asked me, it might have been Mike, actually. Uh, is this a sequel to the last Suicide Squad film? And it's... Yeah. It's it's a sequel. Yeah. It's a reboot. I call it a soft reboot. It's a soft reboot. It features some same characters, same actors, but for the most part, it's not a pure sequel to, I think what we all agree was an abomination of a cinematic experience, the, fir- yeah. the first Suicide Squad film. If you go back and listen to the podcast on the first one, yeah. I'm pretty forgiving of it. Yeah. I have not felt the need to revisit it since <laughs> i think i like some of the ideas in the first one but i think you could go in ryan this is you didn't see the first one i mean i watched i started it and i okay. couldn't even finish it because it was such an insultingly bad movie yeah because watching mm-hmm. this i was very curious thinking about the reboot revamp you know mm-hmm. sequel thing and i was thinking would this work as the first entry. I think so. And obviously there's a lot of variables in that. Like, are you a comics reader? Are you familiar with the Ostrander books and, and the, just the entire concept of it? Yeah. Or are you just coming in knowing what's in the trailer? 
I think it still works. Yeah, I think it totally way. works as a standalone film. It doesn't need the first film whatsoever. And there are ties to the first one. I think soft reboot is the, is the right term because it, rather than sequel. It gives you all the information you need. From the, you don't need to. But it also like wipes the slate clean a little yeah. bit of the last one. Yes. In killing off some characters. So that this is, if they wanted to do more of these, if this ends up being successful and... What does success mean in 2021 at the movies? Doesn't I, mean, I don't yeah. know how you gauge that anymore. But I think you could use this as the, the starting point for that and not have to worry about the first one. This film written and directed by James Gunn. During the time he was briefly fired from Marvel for some old tweets. He's yeah. since been brought back. He's returned for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So this is brief foray into DC. And as Paul mentioned briefly there this is actually loosely based off of the first arc of the john ostrander suicide squad comic book which was rebooted after crisis and if in earth the new suicide squad made their first appearance in the terrific legends crossover fun fact for you is that barbara gordon's oracle character made her first appearance in the suicide squad book huh oh right yeah yeah first time she was became oracle as a information broker slash mission specialist in that book jotunheim was in korak and it's not exactly the same, but it's loosely based off that. But you got Rick Flag and and, the, yeah. and then you have the, the Oracle character sort of defining every WB computer nerd character. Yes, exactly. In <laughs> all of the shows. Yeah. 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 Always got to be a guy in the chair. Yeah. Girl in hmm? the chair. Always got to have a Ned. Yeah. Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. It's just Elba's Bloodsport. John Cena's Peacemaker. Joel Kinnaman is Rick Flag. Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, and then a bunch of other people. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people. Also interesting is that originally Idris Elba was originally supposed to just replace Will Smith as Deadshot. And then they, someone probably said, wait, what if we can get him to come back for a sequel? And they said, okay, let's make him a different character. So Bloodsport is a character from the comics. What if they could bring back Will Smith? Yeah, what if we can get him to come what back for like a sequel? Player? So why would we People replace like, oh, him? this one did okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back. Right. Okay. That's interesting. So Bloodsport was a character who first appeared in, I, I know Paul's read this, in John Byrne's Superman run, also post-crisis. Mm-hmm. He was in the fourth issue. I don't remember him. <laughs> He's basically Deadshot. Is that where the put Superman in the ICU comes from? I forget. Possibly. Possibly. With the kryptonite bullet? Yeah. I feel bad. I should know this. But yeah, I just remember there being a big uproar when that came out. In All that the book trailers. was 1986. So I will forgive yeah. you for not remembering the details of that particular storyline. Yeah. Probably a little wink and a nod to that storyline where he first appeared. But his character here is basically Deadshot. It's the same yeah. character. And so the movie starts off with the Suicide Squad being convened, led by Michael Rooker's savant character. Task Force X. To go into Corto Maltese to go and stop a coup, an anti-American government from taking over the Corto Maltese region. Uh, South America. And that is where Nathan Fillion finally getting his comic book movie with TDK and Captain Boomerang and Javelin and Mongal, who I assume is some version of Mongol. I think it's Mongol's daughter in the comics. Uh, Blackguard and the Weasel. Is she an alien? Is she a god? You know, yeah, 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 she's a Mongols and aliens. No, no, no. I mean, that, that's line of dialogue from the movie. I, I like that. And we're off to the races. <laughs> Let's start high level, and I'll start with you, Paul. What did you think overall of the film? I thought it was really charming, and I think James Gunn has a way of going pretty hard for a, what you consider a superhero movie, which has changed and broadened. Is this the first superhero movie with full frontal male nudity? <laughs> but I think James Gunn can go really crass, but still have a lot of heart. And that's the important thing. 
And so I really enjoyed this. I do think it was a bit bloated, a bit long, and some stylistic choices that distracted me more than felt cohesive. But I I enjoyed it, and I think this makes good on the concept and on those Ostrander books. Bringing it to the big screen and getting it away from the bad aftertaste of some of the other DC movies. Ryan? Yeah, it's a very James Gunn movie in the style that he's kind of come to exemplify. He makes it look not that hard to make a good DC movie, and I feel like it's kind of making everyone else in the DC <laughs> CEU or whatever it's called look like chumps and clowns. I got into it more as the movie went along, and I agree, you know, it's got a lot of heart. It's got some some James Gunn tropes in terms of the music stings and the overly gory fight choreography and a lot of daddy issues. Parent um, issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was still a good time. And it's that sort of thing where it's like, tell 10-year-old Ryan that they're going to be a big temple action movie with Starro as the main villain. And I don't know how I would have reacted then, but I, I, it's interesting how I react now, I guess. Mike? I'm all over the place because I don't have any connection to these characters from the comics point of view so i I feel like i was going and kind of i knew the characters from the first film i just felt bad for most of this film Uh, the moments of heart made me happy but i just felt like the constant killing of characters i was kind of intrigued by just made me feel kind of bad i felt like the overly gory violence we've gone from like cartoony violence to cartoony violence that really makes you squeamish Mm. kind of made me feel bad and i felt like there were some moments that really made me laugh and there were some even some moments where i'm like pretty cool but i felt like it could have been 45 minutes shorter but i mean there were sequences that i loved i I do love seeing starro bash a big city but Mm. it felt like there were just so many different movies in this but for the most part i felt like i was in a module in D &D. Mm. (laughs) and going from one adventure and then a short hallway like uh, mm. one one okay. action piece, then a short hallway of exposition, then another action piece with a trap door right in the middle, and then going down a chute. So I, I didn't feel like it was a story. I felt like it was a, a connection of sequences, some of which I, I liked. Others, I just felt like I don't need to see Harley Quinn tortured. You know, I mean, I get it, but I just don't need to see some of these things. Maybe that's just my point of view. I'll no, it definitely is your stuff. point of view. It's not maybe your point of view. <laughs> I can guarantee that much, Mike. But yeah, it's a 132 minutes. It is a long movie. It's a long I'm closer to Mike's point of view on this. Sure. In fact, what you just articulated, Mike, is how I feel. I think about all of the films of James Gunn I've seen. I don't know if this is a bad movie. I don't think it's a good movie, though. And I think it's possible that I just don't like... James Gunn's sensibility. I didn't like either Guardians of the Galaxy film. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you didn't like that. Same. Okay. The first Same. one. The criticism I have of those films is what Mike just said, is that, and what I think this movie also articulates, is that it didn't feel like a cohesive story, but more like a series of vignettes or sketches. The way it's structured definitely lends to that with like you're following a, a certain group of characters and then nine minutes earlier and you follow yeah. the yeah. other group of characters yeah. well, and, all the, the and all the like chapter headings sort of like yes. the Snyder cut of Justice League like I hope that's not a thing that DC starts doing all the time to me it just slows everything down to like have to announce yeah, that it doesn't, the scene is going to be right it doesn't add anything to the <laughs> no. movie like I and I felt that way about the music as well obviously at this point he's known for his soundtracks and he, and you know he's got good taste in music and, and adds good tracks to things but some of the needle drops felt a little on the nose. Yeah. He uses the same trope of having it be soundtrack music and then music that the characters are listening to at least twice. 
do it maybe once, but don't keep doing it. I really liked, especially the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That's one of my favorite, remains one of my favorite MCU movies. I think he brought a really novel sensibility to that. And I liked the music and how it's implemented there. And obviously there's a cohesion to it because it's, it's, the, it's the soundtrack to Peter Quill's life. Yeah. Here, it's just like music for the sake of Yeah, there's of a music. story reason in Guardians for it. Right. One of the moments of the, I guess you would call it like diegetic mm-hmm. captioning yep. in the movie, where it's, what is it, like twigs form? Like Probably, the mean, yeah. Like 45 minutes away or something? Yeah. You know, like, at first, I thought it was a, like a someone's power uh. or some kind of supernatural thing going on and then when i saw that it was actually forming words it was like oh and so that took me out of it oh so rather than it being cool and being like oh that's cool that's like a will eisner's like like spirit yes kind of like captioning yeah it was a, it was a little it was a little um scott pilgrimy yeah yeah i thought sure. of edgar wright too i thought of like like baby driver but it's nowhere near as polished as the kind of stuff that Edgar Wright's doing, and in particularly Baby Driver. This mm. just felt like it was tacked on. But I do like the characters and the performances, so ultimately I had fun with it. Yeah, but yeah. I definitely get where you guys are coming from, and the gore is very Yeah, I think part of the other, over the top. My other problem is I'm watching this movie, and I'm just thinking to myself, I mean, I guess this is just where the DC movies are. Mm. Super violent, super bloody. More cynical than... Cynical, yeah. I don't like the sensibility. You know, take aside Shazam, which was an outlier, and and Wonder Woman, which seems to be even more of an outlier after the sequel. And I just don't like the sensibility of the DC movies. I don't like mm-hmm. them. This is more on the comedic side and lighthearted side and the winky side, but it's still in that like ultra violent, cynical side. And I just like, ugh. Yeah. It was also weird, like how the the movie tried really hard to have stakes, and I actually thought it did a good job with the opening sequence of being like, oh, because in the last movie I didn't finish it, but I was also just like, I also don't feel like any of these characters I'm watching are actually at risk yeah. in a team called the Suicide Squad, right. and, in this, <laughs> and in this movie they actually like spend some time being like, no, 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 like the characters in the Suicide Squad are going to die. This mission is dangerous enough, and it also felt like anytime they needed to like make the characters make the right choice, it was always just like, but they're doing it to kids. And it, it yeah, was like weird right. that that came up multiple times multiple of just times. like that, that it was that was kids and that was the only thing that made these quote unquote bad guys want to do the right thing. There is some reality to that. I mean, you know, there is a, the whole thing in prison. If you go in as a right. someone who's hurt oh, kids, yeah. you get fucked up by other criminals. So there is some some reality basis in that. But I did really like the opening sequence where they introduce a whole slate of characters played by recognizable actors. Like I said, Nathan Fillion and. And Michael Rooker. And I did not know that was Nathan Fillion. <laughs> you know what? I, I did this not is new either. information for me. I did not either. <laughs> TDK was Nathan Fillion. Okay. And Captain Boomerang from the first film and Harley Quinn, which I loved her outfit there, which was less of the daddy's little monster yeah. outfit, which I hate, more closer to the original outfit. It's a neat trick that has pulled in several films like this where they, they introduce a bunch of characters played by people you recognize and they kill them right away. Deadpool 2. Right. So I thought that was fun. And then, you know, the real team shows up. You know, they, the first team was the distraction. I like that. That was a neat shirt. I like that. That was, that was a, cool a good feint. So it did feel like there were stakes, for sure. I didn't feel ever feel like this was like, we're all going to survive this mission. And there were even stakes back at the headquarters with Amanda Waller, which we can talk about in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't think it was good. And I'm having, I'm trying to figure out how I ultimately come down on it. The performances were, were good. I liked everybody in it. I think it's just really interesting that we have been able to watch, starting with Iron Man, right, and watch the Marvel Universe happen and watch all of the sort of, let's just say, good guy superhero films. But then we are also able to watch films like Kick-Ass, 
come into mm-hmm. being and shows like The Boys come into being. So we've sort of seen a differing takes about the darker version of a superhero universe. And so I actually ended up watching a little bit of The Boys after this to sort of compare these visions. And I feel like The Boys is a little bit more successful just because of the format. You get to know the characters more. But I just I do think it's been really interesting that DC has not been able to get a hold of the positive universe. And I feel like this Suicide Squad is like, we're just going to go for it. Like, do I need to see the edge of the shard of glass go into uh, his, heart, hope yeah. his heart? Yeah, and like, wow. it's like yeah. we just need to keep turning it up and turning it up. And it's like, at the end of the day, I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, I like, am I supposed to like, and then I really thought, is it because I'm sitting by myself in my living room and, you know, the hall light is on and I'm not in a crowd that can cheer or go, oh, like, this is the first time I'm really like, I really need to see these kinds of films in a theater because like, I'll be like, oh, I need to get another beer and I could just go get it and pause it. I just felt like being at home mm-hmm. takes away 20% oh, sure. totally of is. the focus. And I, I'm just wondering if that made this kind of like just a little bit more noise on my TV as opposed to a cinematic experience. Because I can just like, if I don't like what I'm watching, I can just look at something else. And that's not the film's fault. That's just the, no, the, the fault, fault of it's just where we're at. Yeah. Where... Hollywood is racing to get to, which is a horrible experience watching their films. Yeah, I genuinely laughed at a lot of stuff in the movie. You know, yeah. like when they accidentally killed all the rebels instead of the soldiers. I thought it was yeah. funny. Oh, no. Like, oh <laughs> yeah. shit. Oh, and and when and when uh, Bloodsport is telling Peacemaker that you know, like, quit trying to you know impress everybody. He's like, but you are impressed. He's like, God damn it, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, there yeah. was genuinely funny bits in it. I, I laughed at things, and there was good action sequences. And look, Margot Robbie is a terrific. Harley Quinn. I think she's yeah, she's great. She's much better here than in the first film. I haven't seen, and I don't plan on seeing Birds of Prey, but I think she's great. She commits fully to the role. Absolutely, it's a very non-glamorous Hollywood star role. No mention of the Joker in this movie. Yeah, I, I wish she didn't have half as many tattoos, but whatever, that's fine. Right. And, and again, like Idris Elba was good, and Joel Kinnaman was good, and what do you think about Cena? I love Cena. I think Cena is very much aware of what he is and what he looks like, yeah. and he plays yes. plays to it. And I, he shows up with stuff all the time, and he's always funny. It's, it's frustrating that he has such good timing and that kind of action figure good looks. Like he's perfect for these things. It's a, it was a pleasure to watch him. What was interesting about Cena was I didn't expect Peacemaker to basically turn out to be the villain because mm. he's getting his own series, he's getting his own show, right? So what is that show like? Oh no, because and, and he's an asshole. Like, and I don't know if I want to follow an asshole in his own series. The way his character arc went, I was like, oh, maybe the show is a prequel. Right. And yeah. it leads up to this movie. And I was like, well, I hope hmm, not. does that work? Well, it's, it's, I guess it's not because yeah, they, the, the last, by the end, you find the, out that he's alive. The end so. credit I don't sequence. Like, I don't like prequels. I yeah. feel like that series is going to be a one note hit over and I over so and too. over again. Yeah. Well, who knows? We don't know. We don't know. We don't, it, it I know. I just, I, 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 was, I just don't I was, see a lot of range. Well, I was very skeptical in the same way when they announced they were doing Better Call Saul. Sure. I mean, it's all about execution. It could be great. Sometimes I like it even more than Breaking Bad. So, it, you know, they could go play. And I think he's I think he's very talented. And I think Connery bring up a good point that he's aware of, like, mm-hmm. his presence. Mm-hmm. And and his the image he you know, he, he has a he's the square jaw Captain America type. You know, so he plays into that. And Peacemaker plays into that. He's sort of a general glory type character. If you're, if you're an old man like me, you know who that is. I thought he was very funny until he turned evil. And then I was like, oh, shit. 
Yeah. yeah. He, has, he has a sense of humor about himself. I laughed really hard. Well, it, it's too bad it was ruined by the trailers. But when I saw the trailers, I thought I was very entertained when he's in the like the polo shirt and the shorts and up in the bell tower. And like it, just John Cena wearing shorts that are not shorts. Very funny to me. This is why everyone needs to take my practice of not watching trailers. Nah, anymore. I just don't watch the trailers. I don't watch them anymore. I don't. I haven't seen any of the Shang Chi trailers. A lot of the best nothing. character interaction stuff where they're fast talking to each other was in the trailers, yeah, and but watching. that sold me on the movie. So I was I, I wasn't super interested in it before then, and so I saw this. But unfortunately, a lot gets taken away. Let me ask you guys a question: If you yeah. remove King Shark from this movie, does anything change? <laughs> my my enjoyment. You like King Shark a lot? I love King Shark. But he doesn't do anything in the story to actually change Don't anything. Care. Or do anything. <laughs> well, At I, first I thought, okay, they're saving him for Starro. Right. He's literally done nothing in this movie other than almost eat Ratcatcher. And so I thought, okay, well, Starro's unleashed. This is when you unleash King Shark. And he like starts biting him and Starro's like, hey, whatever. And ultimately it's Harley Quinn and Ratcatcher that defeat Starro. But what was the point... I think King it's Shark. very interesting. What's the point between... of any of it, Connor? There's no point to any of it. <laughs> That's my question every day. Time. I'm very nihilistic about these movies at this point. Like, <laughs> none of them have to matter. None of them have to say anything. If it, I'd like King Shark being kind of a doofus, but I thought he's fun. I thought he's fun. I just, I just feel like after like Groot, like I've, I sort of like I've seen the joke. Yeah, yeah. And maybe just because it's from the same filmmaker in the same sensibility that it felt like. Groot has an interesting arc. He has a relationship with the characters. Oh, yeah. King Shark totally, was yeah. like, they kept shunting him off into like, stay in the truck. You know, he didn't go on the missions. He didn't interact with anybody. He didn't do anything. I still liked it. I liked when they, you know, when they asked him a question, he said, see, he's like, oh, look, he's learning Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a great visual. Yeah. The, the design is cool. I loved seeing him just like launching into the air and going through walls and I did see James Gunn tweet about why they didn't go with the hammerhead design from the comics. And they said that they actually had some previs of that. And it just was impossible to read the character because you couldn't like the yeah, expression. Right. The expressions didn't make sense. And you couldn't you literally couldn't tell what character he was looking at. Like when they were designing like Wally. Pixar, like the shape of the eyes, like binoculars. I love design stuff like that. When you're doing like a non-human character creature design, you know, what makes R2-D2 adorable? And it's just, right. there. it's so subjective, but also I, there's something about human nature and psychology that you really like those shapes. And, you know, you, you want to see an eye where an eye should be. I was excited that Flula Borg was in this movie because I think he's just hilarious and everything. But then, yeah, he was part of that team that got killed early on, which was a bit of a bummer. But the cast is so incredibly stacked. It's insane. It, it's that thing if we talk about it in comics every once in a while where, like, certain people must just be awesome to work with. And that's how they're able to pull ridiculous talent to come along mm -hmm. with whatever project they're doing. So James Gunn must be just, like, a blast to work with because it seems like I'm anybody sure he, he works a, with is willing to come back for whatever set. ridiculous thing he wants to do next i really like sure, peter sure. capaldi as yeah. uh the thinker yeah that's a really yeah, he fun was great he evil was great. character also it didn't make me not like the movie was much like Bloodsport. i hate rats <laughs> i liked Ratcatcher a lot i thought she was a good character i thought she was interesting great. i really latched onto that character and that's but man what got me through the cynical too stuff. many rats too many rats <laughs> also it was a little strange that there were two marvel directors involved in this movie i only say that because Oh, Taika. Because Taika Waititi uh, played the original Ratcatcher in the flashbacks. Right. And then you had, obviously, James Gunn. Only say that because I know how militantly yeah. they are anti-each other in real life. Seemed like they just let James Gunn do whatever he wanted. Right. For good and for bad. Yeah. It was... I don't know. It's but a like weird movie. Taika in it. 
also have it also uh, featured Sean the... Gunn in two scenes. Yeah, or, or, or oh, twice in the same scene. Two characters. Yeah, Weasel, Weasel and Calendar, and Calendar Man. Man. Yeah, yeah. and it was uh, probably the first time I've ever seen Fernet uh, celebrated so broadly <laughs> in a movie. They had the proper reaction to it. Like they all drank it. And were like, oh God, what is this? And, and Mike, you probably already knew this, but for those who don't know, they drink a ton of Fernet Branca yeah. in Argentina. Like it's it's yep. that's the only other place outside Italy where they actually produce Fernet Branca. I haven't had oh. Fernet since that awful night, Mike. What was what, that was, was it? So good. Was it Fernet daiquiris? It was, it was a very <laughs> yeah. It was a it was it, it's a thud the thug and it was a Fernet based yeah. It was one it was Scotch and Fernet I think and Fernet. it made it. Ooh, that's a rough combo. It would it, it would have gone really good with this uh with the end. It was the worst hangover I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bad. Speaking of of the rats, Ryan, is that? Do you think that's an accurate depiction of how many rats would be in a localized area? <laughs> yes. That's a great question. It doesn't surprise me. I did notice when I was I was watching the credits. I've gotten, you know, I'll tell you one thing that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has really trained me to do is actually sit and watch credits. And I actually like, I do it for most movies I watch now. I know that, you know, there's not going to be an end credits sequence, but I just like, well, there I was like one. sitting and kind of, there was I, know, one. I know, I know, I know, but I'm saying it, I like now that for I, most it, movies in general, yeah. I sit and watch the credits for most movies just because I now appreciate, I, it just like helps me sit and reflect and appreciate the work. Mm-hmm. And I noticed one of the rats that played Sebastian, real name? Chris Rat. Chris Rat. Chris Chris Rat. Chris Rat. Oh, funny. I saw saw one that's... Oh, that... Okay, that makes some social media posts make sense that I didn't click on. Okay, that's the connection. (laughs) All right. I saw one was named Jaws, I think. Yes. Okay. I love Sebastian. I love that Sebastian survives. When I was doing search image searches or GIF searches for Sebastian... There were a lot of people who were very concerned. Does Sebastian survive <laughs> the Suicide Squad? A lot of people are asking. So that was good to see. And I like that as a, a funny, like, almost like, I don't know, like a, like a Tom and Jerry joke at the end with Idris Elba petting the rat yeah. at the end of the movie. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got, I've got bad news cute. to you about the lifespan of rats in general, Paul. Sure. But yeah, I'm glad, Two I'm, years? Glad Sebastian, yeah, I'm glad Sebastian made it through at least this one particular incident so he could get his pets at the end of the Is movie. Is it two years? Yeah. I, th- I know squirrels are like two years. There's always articles in the paper, like, you know, if all the rats in New York City took to the streets, it would overrun everything. And that's, so that was part of, this was also part of like my nightmare scenario when all the rats in Puerto <laughs> Maltese take to the streets. That's why you moved. Partial, well, I'm sure there's a lot of rats in, in LA too, but it was always like, you know, you think we've got a rat problem now, but if they all took to the streets, we wouldn't be able to walk anywhere. So I'm sure that's probably somewhat accurate. You especially. should play A Plague Tale Innocence. <laughs> it's a video game about the plague. And... Uh, torrents of rats i will just say from an it perspective i was very annoyed about how easy it was to find the hard drive and that <laughs> the hard that drive too. wasn't yeah. on the cloud or backed up he just sort oh, of wiggled his hand inside an empty box and came up with an old and also like it's it's 30 so years of data on one, on one <laughs> yeah. hard drive. come on it's like on one and it's like an, it wasn't even a flash hard drive it was like a spinning no, hard drive that's getting a spinning hard drive. around like they would yeah. have to, i mean how did he upload it to the cloud so quickly quickly i've had to get hard drives recovered it takes like a month to, to get the data off of them. Yeah, send it like the Western like Digital and get it. <laughs> yeah, I've had a hard drive that I had to send to like the clean room, disassemble it, pull the oh, data yeah, yeah. bit by bit. Expensive. It's yeah. expensive and it's time consuming. It takes a long yeah. time. What did you guys think of Viola Davis's Amanda Waller, who was much more ruthless in this film than in previous? Ruthless, but didn't have as much to do, it felt like. I mean, she was just kind of the, the big bad threat that they kind of just ignored. Yeah. And it felt like they were 
uh, maybe James Gunn making a statement with that, with the people in the room. People in the st- in the quote-unquote studio. People. Right, to, to tell to what m- the people on the ground to do. Or people, you know, seeing a, a chaotic person in charge and saying, I'm not going to do. I've had enough. Yeah. I've had enough of this and I'm going to hit her with a golf club. I wonder if that person still has their job because I, I was amazed she survived that. Hit. Yeah, I assumed she was I dead. I was dead. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You're not just definitely concussed. Yeah, I mean the real Amanda Waller would have, the real. She's not real, but the comic Amanda Waller would, would have <laughs> that person real. killed immediately. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. She was much more like her comic counterpart here, which is like yes. you know ruthless and will do anything to get the mission done, and no matter who gets hurt along the way. Like this is a woman who would clone Batman. Yeah. And then make sure that the clone's parents <laughs> were murdered horribly so that he too would become a Batman. Hmm. I can see why an actress of Viola Davis's caliber would take a role like this because A, it's probably fun, but B, it's a very unlike you know, most female roles in the films. Mm-hmm. You know, she is mm-hmm. the ultimate badass in the movie, whether or not she is taken down by a yeah. golf club or not. It's a hard character to write around just because when you can literally remotely explode the heads of the, any other character, like it kind of puts you in a position where you never have to negotiate or compromise with anyone. And so I thought that the, the golf club to the head was a little weird deus ex machina, but you have to do something to get her off the board because otherwise she has way too yeah. much control over everyone else's actions in the film. Right. Yeah. So when you guys were going into this film, did you sort of just sort of expect that most of the characters would be dead? Like, is it that, is that, yes. that's the trope? Well, because of the characters that they chose. They chose, yeah. It's like, the, you, you know, it's the Expendables. Yeah, exactly. Is, it, is, is Polka Dot Man, is that a real thing, too? Yeah. Um, he he reminded me of those um, little there, ca- there candy wafers. Polka Dot Man? The Necco wafers or whatever? <laughs> the Necco wafers, yeah, yeah. It just reminded me of those, that guy. That was a very James Gunn idea where he, like, develops, like, the tumors and stuff and, like, starts I like that part. Really, I thought it was, yeah. So... I first, do see first introduced what, in Detective Comics issue number three hundred, Mike. No way. There's yeah. all kinds of yeah. All, I'm sh- all of these characters. Yeah, they're off of the comics. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't see Condiment Man. Yeah. Or there's King, like Condiment King. Is that his name? I did Condiment laugh out loud King. when his arms popped off and he just sort of like very flimsily started hitting the guys with the arms. It just like it was so pathetic. <laughs> it, that, like that. That's such a weird thing to see in live action. It was really funny. I just, uh, for some reason, that's one of the images that stuck with me. And then he's he's just a torso with little connections. <laughs> yeah. And he's just sort of moving around. I like that opening sequence, that whole first part, quite a yeah. bit. I really like the costume design for Bloodsport. I mean, that's not a, like I said, I don't think that's a character any of us have a particular affection for. Uh, but mm-hmm. I really, I thought they did a really cool job with the design of him. Just like every piece of his suit Becomes can be turned into a weapon when yeah, he needs that was a suit. Fun. I just had, I had a lot of fun with that. A lot more fun than I had with Will Smith's Deadshot. Yeah. Even though the the mechanics are quite similar. So I and I thought Idris Elba really sold it. I thought the part that we didn't need was the weird daughter plot line and cutting back to her watching Dad save the yeah, world. Yeah. Oh my that god. Was, oh my god. Uh, sorry. Yeah. That's my dad tearing up. That's it's my like, dad again. Who was an asshole? Who's a huge asshole? Who hates me? Who shoot that, anything and kill yeah. somebody with one hit? Who also happens to have issues? A daughter. Yeah. You know, with a kid. Yeah. Like I said, he was meant to be Deadshot. Clearly, it's the same character arc as Deadshot, same family situation. I thought the the suit led to one of those great cinematic moments where you know that they're making their last stand and he's got no weapons left, but he checks like fifteen spots on his body. But it wasn't comical; it was sort of like desperate, desperate and sad. Like he has got nothing yeah. left. I thought that was that was cool. I thought I, I did like the character. You know, who doesn't love Idris Elba? 
interesting thing that I noticed, you can you can get action figures of the movie likenesses of these characters, and then they have a build a figure where you can make a King Shark, which is actually a pretty cool build a figure. But Deadshot, um, wait, not Deadshot. Bloodsport. Bloodsport. <laughs> Sorry, Bloodsport. Deadsport. Dead, Deadport. Bloodpool. Deathport. Um, has uh, you get, he doesn't have uh, Idris Elba head. You can only have him with the mask, which I think is a shame because someone didn't sign off the rights. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I was like yeah. because the other characters there is definitely a likeness. Yeah. Like with Polka Dot Man, that is is it Peter Dalmashian? Michael? I forget his first name, but. So yeah, I think that was a weird uh, thing, and 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 David part Dash. of the okay, and part of the fun with that character is everybody whistling at him. All the women and and people in the camps and stuff, or like at the bar, are like uh, flirting with Idris Elba. Sure, because it's Idris Elba. But also, every time we got to see the world from Polka Dot Man's point of view, and it's always his mom, no matter yeah. what. That was. There were lots of little funny little things like that. I just feel like if you just trimmed it and made it a little bit more lean. Yeah, those would, those would rise to the top a bit more. I mean, it's incredible to release a two-hour and fifteen-minute movie these days. It's insane to me. They're all like that, though. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to me. The thing is, though, for all my problems, and I had a lot of problems, and I'm not. Yeah, it's way better than the first movie. It's oh, the first one is garbage. The first I one mean, is offensive. Yeah, and this was not offensive. This was no. fun. I, I don't really connect with the tone and the style, but it was still made me laugh a bunch. You know, some exciting sequences. Every, and, everybody that I talked to said it's not good, but you should see it anyway. Like that's the kind of <laughs> I don't know what kind of faint praise that is, <laughs> but it means if you have HBO and you can watch it, you know, quote unquote for free, right? You don't feel like you've wasted time, <laughs> right? I, I, I also I think I also it. think it benefits watching at home where you can take a break because Agreed. this movie, yeah, it does not need to be two hours long. But Mike, you said the opposite just twenty minutes ago. What do you mean? You said the problem was you weren't immersed in the theater. With I the wasn't. Time. No, no. I mean, but I wasn't immersed. But I was with this particular film. I was like, you know, maybe that's for the best. Right? But it's <laughs> like, also like, I, like, is this the kind of film that Mike you would even go to the theater for? Like, is the only that, way you're going to see this right when it comes yeah. out is if you can stream it. You know what I mean? Like, so who knows? Yeah. Our friend uh, Allie yeah. saw it in the theater. She said she didn't know if it was just because she hasn't been to the theater, mm-hmm. you know, in a long time. But it felt. All of those 230 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, I could imagine it. Draw, it I think it's just like the intensity would have been ratcheted up, but the exhaustion would also be ratcheted up too. I would think it's like Scott Pilgrim's that way. Dude. Everybody here saw it, obviously in HBO, right? No one went to the theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did all of us pause it, or did anybody watch it straight through all the way? I fell asleep. I paused it. Uh, slept. I slept an entire night of sleeping. <laughs> I did. I did pause it to get food. Yeah, I paused it as well for something. Same. I was really like, I was ready to not pause. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna dedicate myself to the next two hours and fifteen minutes, but I'm still gonna do it. And then I, I just said I'm hungry, or I wanted, you know, is this funny? It's, I don't know. I, I, I think if we could follow, like after the pulling the football out, uh, where you get to the actual team. Yeah. I think yeah. if we had followed that team more consistently through the movie instead of going back and forth between them and Harley for long, like Harley would get like a music video and then we'd go back to the team. Like, Oh yeah, these guys, like, I feel like we could have gotten to know them better. The interactions with them were really good and Mm -hmm. I wish there was just more of it. I think there were natural chapter breaks, you know, with all those headings it sort of invited you to go to the bathroom at that point, you know, it it, it had built in rest stops 
mm-hmm. along your journey, along your module. So, and I wouldn't maybe. have minded those as much if they would have just pulled away, but they're very like conspicuous. They're very like, let's pause and look at this. There's like a slow <laughs> yeah. pan across the title as opposed to just being there. Well, then yeah. they changed, like, they changed the title in Flame, right? Like, then Operation the characters interrupted. became like Operation Harley. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like this cartoon stylism thing, but it's not, they don't fully commit to it. It's like, I don't know, it's like what, going way back to the Ang Lee Hulk movie where he was doing mm-hmm. panel stuff. and mm-hmm. I love that. It was like, as, as if it was like the very first comic book movie. Let's reference the original media and mm-hmm. actually do panels on screen. But it wasn't, so that was weird. It was like we've yeah. seen superheroes and comic books on screen tons of times. So this just feels like a weird distraction and it doesn't add to the narrative in any way. It's not like on theme. It just happens to be like this callback to the fact that the source material is comics. And we're at a point where every movie is based on a comic. So we don't need to do that or do it in a more elegant way. We need thought bubbles. So stylistically, it's, it's just weird to me. But I mean, I, I found myself thinking during this film a lot about the sort of overall strategy of these films and the, the worlds and Marvel and DC and mm-hmm. You know, Marvel's very cohesive. It's a single producer. It's all running towards the same goal. Whether that's good or bad is obviously up for debate and up for personal preference. Yeah. But if you like DC is just flailing all over the place, it's so odd to me that of all of the DC characters, we've had two Suicide Squad movies. Yeah. There's no heroism in these films. There is, but like ultimately these are bad people. And so it's just a bummer that this is the DC universe. And that's on Sebastian's the a good person. What's what's I mean, ne- what's coming next, Connor? I legitimately can't remember for what's DC? on the slate. Oh, yeah, like the Batman out there somewhere. The Batman's next year. Oh my God! It would have been this year, but it was a COVID outbreak on the set. You can't <laughs> the, compare the, Batman the two. Got but... the, the disease we got from bats. Is yeah. what happened. <laughs> right, right. right. But you can't compare the two. But I'm going to just say it anyway. You leave a movie like the original Christopher Reeve Superman feeling. A real way, and they're great actors. It all sort of fits and packages well. You leave a movie like this, and maybe this is just the times that we live in, and you just leave it a little bit more cynical. And of, of all the companies that should be able to be different, it, it should have been DC, right? Make I mean, you I believe a man can fly. Just something, that kind just of thing? feel maybe yeah. feel something rather than oh, everything's disposable, everything's overwrought, everything has to be a wink and an, I, I don't even know what we're winking toward anymore. You know, it's just everything has got kind of this sort of like been there, done that, eye rolling kind of tone. And it's like, I didn't even know how to feel after the one Woman 1984, which is which was a frustrating thing. I thought I would leave, a, you know, feeling something there. So I just don't know where we go with these films. Are they just exercises in action sequences and who can outgrow each about other? DC specifically or? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's I mean, I, unfortunately, I feel like DC's racing it to the bottom. So is DC now just going to be like dire, con- you know, dire stories, like cynic- dire cynical, right? It's just, who cares? It, it, nothing matters, right? It's so well, nihilistic. Speaking and, of what's coming up, it's interesting because my dad was watching one of those channels where they had like, they just play trailers and uh, they <laughs> did like a run of the superhero movies coming up. Yeah. And you forget outside of DC, it's not just Marvel. You also got Sony Marvel. So you right. got Morbius coming up. You got Venom 2. Oh, God. And I'm looking at these movies and I was like, this feels like 1996 or something. Like, it's just, it, yeah. they're from, know, an, they feel it, like though. time capsule movies. That, like, they don't. From when they did Blade. Yeah. Which right. the MCU is now going to do. 
eventually. Uh, yeah, they are. They already announced it. I mean, I know guess, they, I know, yeah. but like, it's sort of one so of the ones ne- that next they year, don't have updates on. Next year for DC, assuming there's no further outbreaks or anything else is a problem. Alongside the Batman, you have Black Adam with The Rock, and you have The Flash, and then possibly Aquaman. Aquaman 2. <laughs> Wait, possibly Aquaman? Well, it's set for December, but like I said, everything... Is almost, it? Okay. Yeah, it is, but every film has been pushed back a little bit because of COVID, so who knows? I'm not putting a stake in the ground. And there's still Shazam 2, right? Yes, Shazam 2 is set for 2023. Since you guys don't watch the trailer, Black Adam had a thing, and it's animated. Like, they did, like, an animatic trailer or teaser. Yeah, because they just they where just finished the rock They just narrating. wrapped it. Yeah. Right. It's like a motion comic. It's the weirdest trailer. That's interesting. But, but it is a live-action film with The Rock. Yeah, so there's... There's just a lack of creativity and idealism in this stuff right now, and it is just it is just kind of interesting to see that this is the direction that... The colorful world of comic books and the wonderful sort of escapism <laughs> that you sort of stereotypically think about that genre is just completely non-existent. I mean, maybe The Last Spider-Man was a little bit more of a positive take, but it, just, it is interesting that these films have come to represent darkness and gloom and cynicism more than anything else at least for me just like it's just interesting that that's where we're at with quote-unquote comic book films so any last thoughts on this film before we wrap it up on, on this the, film the suicide on squad 2021 one of the nice things about watching it from home you can take notes while you're watching it and i said one of the line line is uh the king shark scene so weird which and one then, which one i know i know i don't know it was after the hard drive <laughs> and then Oh, where they just kept shooting him. Maybe that was it. Was so, so. And, oh, then and, the, and then the I, Milton joke yeah. was kind of funny because I did notice the driver throughout. I, did. I, I, I like the Milton joke. Well. Yeah, I did like that part. I was like, wow, that guy's still with them. That's cool. <laughs> and Harley does he have a name? Uh, and then they just name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then she thinks it's. And then Harley think, assumes that's, that they were talking yeah, about. That was Mr. very funny. We were talking all about you. <laughs> she just sells everything she does. She can just She can just amp it up. It's. She's yep. just completely dedicated to that yeah, character. Yeah, I mean, the, great. None, none of this would work without her. She's no. the no. linchpin. No. Paul, Ryan, any final thoughts? I love the rat it, catcher. It's uh, a movie. Family. <laughs> I, I love it the idea. All the elements of a film from start to finish. <laughs> you want credits? The, you got the, credits. <laughs> you want actors? There are actors on screen. Oh, boy. It's all there, folks. <laughs> I think it's a very fun ensemble. I, th- I love the idea that they're going so into the weeds that it's Ratcatcher and Ratcatcher 2, mm-hmm. which is a thing if you love comics and you're like, hey, who's that character? And you go on Wikipedia and you find out that there are three or four versions of the same character and they just call them Ratcatcher 1 or Clayface 1, Clayface 2, Clayface 3. Right. That's a fun thing. I do think there's things that all the criticism I get and I do think it's it's overall a more cynical movie than the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. But I did enjoy it. I do think it's charming and, and the characters bring a lot to it and, and those performers. I would not have expected a Decemberist needle drop in a DC <laughs> movie wow. in the Snyder yeah. era. That's when uh, Bloodsport is cleaning the prison. Right. So Decemberist song was like, what? <laughs> so that was wild. It was interesting, you know, they have that sort of, the HBO, they had the pre-trailer showing all of the majesty of the DC Comics films. Yes, yes, and it was just, yes. And it was just like the darkest shit possible. <laughs> like all of the palette was just like murky underwater Justice League Snyder. I'm like, wow, 
super fun and really engaging universe. I can't wait to jump right in. Looks really like a place of positivity and hope. It was crazy, that trailer. I feel bad now because when the Batman does come out, that looks like the darkest thing <laughs> so far. I yeah. mean, it looks, it looks good. It, I think it, it, and I like that the director, this guy did the sure. Planet of the Apes movies. Sure, um, I love that movie. You know, so I think it's promising, but it looks pretty damn dark, like Come darker than a, than a Nolan movie. <laughs> <laughs> My final thought is the same as the first thought. Is that I don't know that this is bad. I don't know that this is good. The performances are good. The actors are good. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie's great. I don't think you need King Shark. Too many rats. <laughs> Disjointed. Why did it have to be rats? Too long. But I wouldn't tell anyone not to see this movie the same way I told people not to see the first one. Yeah. Like, do not waste your time with the first film. See this one. It may have things you like. If you like the Guardians of the Galaxy films, I think you might find a lot of things to like in this movie. I personally don't. A lot of people do. I'm on Outlier. It's totally fine. Yeah. There are enjoyable bits. There are great performances. There's laugh out loud moments. It's just for me, it ended up being sort of a mishmash and not really a cohesive film. But that's what I think James Gunn makes, and it doesn't work for me. Also, if your kids really like Guardians of the Galaxy, this is not for kids, man. No. Yeah, no. So ratings. Oh, on ratings. the Suicide Squad out of five stars. We'll go around the horn and we'll end with Paul, okay. since he hates this bit. <laughs> and Paul hated this bit. It's my favorite recurring bit. <laughs> I'll start, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it two point seven five out of five. Okay. Slightly more than half. Ryan, I'm somewhere in the. I'm in like the three and a half to three point seven five. So I think because uh, this represents the maturity level of this movie, I'm gonna go three point six nine. Oh, 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 Mike, two point five, and the point five is for Harley. Okay, and finally, Paul Montgomery. So I'm with Ryan. It's, I think this is exactly three point six nine. well that's the suicide squad you can you can talk about it fanboy.com there'll be a post for this show you can tell us what you thought this movie snuck up on us we didn't even talk about this at the end of the black widow show we were like what's next yeah we didn't even mention the suicide squad so i don't even know what is next in this brave new world where nothing comes out anywhere normal and i have no idea i think shang chi is probably next that's september isn't it the gi joe one came out already snake eyes right gi joe came out only in theaters which is why i did not see it oh it is only in theaters Wow. Let me stream Green Knight. Come on. I am looking forward to Shang-Chi based on the bad. trailers. Shang-Chi it is in fun. September, so that's in... This is just about a month. So that'll be the next one we have. And to uh, talk about. before that, Long Halloween Part 2. You'll get a Long Halloween Part 2 film from the Animated Brain Trust. Those are on this show right now. Longer Halloween. Longer Halloween. So there's still stuff to talk about. There's still films <laughs> coming out this year. At the end of the year, is sort of backloaded with these films, The Eternals and other stuff. Eternals? Oh, my God, The Eternals. Wow. It's such a huge question mark in my head as to what The Eternals is going to be and how people are going to react to it. Yes, we've said that several times, including about the Guardians of the Galaxy. We saw that turned out, so who the hell knows? We know nothing. Until then, I am Connor. I'm Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Mike. And I'm Ryan. We didn't even mention that Sylvester Stallone was King Shark. And, yeah. And this is